All right. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Investors. We talk to investors about how they broke into venture, how they think about portfolio theory, and all things venture. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Nick Hill, Bazi Trivedi, who's a co-founder and GP of Footwork. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Uh, great. Thanks, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. I'm looking to looking forward to learning all about kind of your road into venture and, and opinions that you have kind of on all things venture. So the first um, the first question I think is the one that, that, that I usually ask to just give people context is how ultimately did you kind of make your way into venture? If you can kind of walk through, you know, just just in short, kind of how you found your way in and then we can kind of go from there. Yeah, um, so I actually, you know, started uh, in venture capital early in my career, I joined a venture firm called Insight Partners in New York. Uh, back then it was called Insight Venture Partners, now Insight Partners, uh, as a summer intern in the summer of 2010. Um, and I was 21 at the time. And so, uh, you know, a few of us um, were lucky to be part of that summer intern class at Insight. And Insight's one of the few firms that recruits folks really early on in their careers. Um, but before Insight, I had started a company uh, back when I was an undergrad um, uh, uh, called Artsy, where I was on the, the founding team. Um, my co-founder and CEO is Carter Cleveland. Uh, and so, you know, we worked on that starting in 2008. And I got my exposure to entrepreneurship and the venture capital ecosystem by working on Artsy for those, um, that, that first, uh, year plus. Um, and I realized uh, when we were pitching VCs that uh, they had a really cool job. And, and so that's what got me interested in trying to go down the path of being an investor and Insights, the place that gave me that chance to, to start out. And so I joined Insight at 21. I spent a couple of years at Insight and then joined Shasta Ventures out here in the Bay Area in 2012, uh, spent almost uh, eight years at Shasta and and now have started Footwork. All right, I appreciate you sharing that. So let's just kind of dive dive into to the, new, uh, the new firm of Footwork. So when you decided to, well, actually let's start before when you decided, at what point did you realize you wanted to start your own fund, your own firm? And how do you think about what type of firm to make? Like what, how'd you know it was going to be early stage or late stage? Did you want to do wide portfolio or concentrated? Like, I guess, like, how would you come up with the initial concept for footwork? Yeah. You know, so I've always been an entrepreneur at heart, you know, back in the artsy days, or even when I was an undergrad working on a number of different startup ideas, working on the entrepreneurship club on campus. Um, and so I think for a long time now, I've had the idea percolating in the back of my head of being an entrepreneur again, and combining my passion for entrepreneurship with my day-to-day -day love of investing um, by building a new venture firm. And the question for me was just when I could go try to do that um, versus if, because I think I, it was always this, this, this dream of mine to do this. Um, and I think I got fortunate that, you know, I spent 10 years between Insight and Shasta getting to learn the business and learning how, you know, two different firms practice it, but also joining boards of companies and seeing how a bunch of other investors practice their craft. Um, and so, you know, I think I, I, I had the foundation from that time to figure out, you know, what type of firm I wanted to build. Um, 
And what I got excited about was being focused at the early stage, having a more concentrated strategy, um, you know, taking ownership in companies and joining boards, kind of the classic early stage venture capital model. And I felt in the market today, there are a lot of firms that used to practice that, that have become multi-stage and multi-sector, what I call agglomerator firms. And I felt like there were less really high quality, sort of more concentrated early stage firms in the market today, and many more folks that are, are um, you know, broader in their, in their focus and in their strategy. So that was a, one of the reasons to, to, to go do footwork and, and to employ the strategy that we have today. But then the other key thing became who to build a firm with. And, uh, and that was actually the more important piece for me, which is, you know, who do I want to work with for the next 20, 30 plus years? Uh, being in a partnership in a venture firm is just like being in a marriage. It's a really long-term commitment um, between one another with one's limited partners and with the founders that you work with. And I just feel really fortunate to have found my partner, Mike Smith, and, um, and have the two of us come together to build this firm. Because I think that was probably the, the, the more important piece than the strategy and what we're actually doing. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's all about the people um, and the people you work with, people you don't, et cetera. So, so a few more questions, kind of basic questions on footwork. Are you th thesis driven? Are there types of sectors that you're trying to get into or more generalist? How have you kind of thought about, about that, that angle? Yeah, so what, we, what Mike and I like to do is, is be thesis driven. Um, there are two very broad areas that we're investing in out of this fund. The first is consumer technology, and the second is consumerization of enterprise technology. And so what does that mean that we don't do? We're not going to do you know, deep technology, infrastructure software, security software. We're unlikely to do like a biotech company. Um, but there's a lot that falls under the consumer tech and consumerization of enterprise tech mandates. And so our approach is to go deep within certain thesis areas in those very broad sectors map out those areas, talk to a bunch of founders in those areas, develop a point of view, and then make an investment. Um, to give you an example, our first investment in the fund, uh, which we actually haven't yet announced, is in a company called Table22. Um, and this is a company that's a business in a box platform. It enables restaurants to offer subscriptions in the same way that Substack enables newsletter writers to offer subscriptions or Patreon enables any creator to offer subscriptions and offer memberships. Um, Table 22 enables that for restaurant businesses. And Mike and I had been thinking about business and box platforms for a while. We also know consumer subscriptions really well through uh, Mike's background being president and chief operating officer at Stitch Fix, through my investments in companies like the Farmer's Dog, Pill Club, and Perfect Foods, Literati. And so Table 22 is at the of a number of different thesis areas that we were spending time in, where we actually proactively reached out to that company, found it, and decided to lead, in, in, in this case, a series seed round. Um, and, and that's hopefully indicative of the approach that you'll see from us. You'll see us publish content around the areas that we're interested in, um, you know, have a point of view, and, uh, and, and build a portfolio that way. And for my last question specifically about, about footwork, um, you know, I mentioned before we started recording, like the name for, for some reason that I can't exactly put my, put my, my finger on, like the name stands out. It's, it's cool. It's original. It's unique. 
walk us through like where'd footwork come from can you can you kind of talk about the origins um of the name sure so um mike and i were searching for a name that felt authentic for us first and foremost and one of the things that we have in common is a passion for a bunch of different sports uh for mike in particular uh basketball um and soccer what we prefer to call football for me football as well um but also sports like cricket and tennis that i played growing up and um and one of the commonalities amongst all these sports is uh footwork being a really important foundational element to actually being able to play the sport um and so we like that connotation of like this is a foundational element to playing a sport to perhaps you know performing to you know, um, building a company as well. Um, what the word actually means is skillful maneuvering, adroitly responding to new opportunities. And so again, a trait that we hope our founders have and that we have as a firm. And then finally, what we liked about it is there's no other, you know, uh, business really associated with that name. And so we have the chance to own it. Uh, and uh, it actually came to me in a dream. Weirdly enough, I woke up and I I said to my wife, um, what do you think of footwork? And uh, then I texted Mike and that's how we got excited about the name. Uh, and so we hope that, you know, founders resonate with it as well. Um, and I'm glad you like it too. The, the real question here is when you woke up from your dream and came up with footwork, did you go to sleep that night or you just up the rest of the night, you know, so excited. No, I'm just joking, <laughs> but it's a great name. Um, it, was, I, it, was in, it was in the morning. Uh, so, morning. Got yeah. it. Got it. it Very cool. <laughs> So I want to go back in time a little bit to, you said something that was, that was pretty cool in that, like you spent some time at Insight, you spent a lot of time at Shasta and now you've, you, you kind of learned from two different firms. Now you're starting your own. Can you kind of walk us through in the way that you want, like how, how did you ultimately go about optimizing for the most learning at those two firms to kind of set you up to be a successful, um, you know, founder and G or co-founder and GP of footwork? Like how would you think about learning when you were given that opportunity um, for that decade? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the core of the venture capital business um, is four or five elements. Um, I, I typically talk about them as five um pieces of the business. And I've written about this in a blog post about the venture capital flowchart, if anyone's interested. But those five elements are find, decide, win, help, and exit. And what you do as a venture capitalist is each of those things, right? You're finding the best, you're trying to find the best companies to invest in. You're trying to make high quality investment decisions, decide. You're trying to win the right to invest um, because you know the best founders have options for who they pick as an investor. Then you're trying to help those companies that you have invested in. And then ultimately you're trying to get a great exit. And so find, decide, win, help, exit is sort of um, the, the, the flow chart that powers our jobs day to day as, as venture capitalists. And what I was lucky to have at Insight and at, at Shasta was the chance to practice sort of each of those elements of the business. You know, I really got to find companies to invest in from day one at, at Insight, from day one at Shasta, uh, I got to be more and more involved in the investment decision and ultimately making decisions for myself to be able to build my own track record at Shasta. Uh, I found myself in several competitive scenarios to try to win the right to invest and win over founders against other firms. And then I actually got to join boards of several companies at, at Shasta 
and work really closely with, uh, uh, you know, actually uh, over 20 investments there. Uh, and, and so, and, and, and then, you know, a few of them actually exited too. So I got to see the whole life cycle of our business, um, basically in my twenties. Um, and, and so that taught me a ton about how to do each of those elements. And then the final thing that I learned was, you know, actually being part of a partnership, um, because all those things that I just, all those five elements I just described, they happen typically in a silo for, for an individual investor, but then they also happen at the partnership level. And so figuring out how to design a partnership where the whole is actually greater than the sum of the parts was something I got to actually think through at Shasta. And a lot of my learnings that, that uh, are, are hopefully now uh, you know, embedded in, in, in what Mike and I are building at Footwork are not just about that individual day-to-day -day as a VC, but also about how a partnership operates and how a partnership can be most effective. I, I love those five, kind of those five points. Um, it, it almost simplifies, it simplifies a, a very complex type of business, which I think is cool. So how do you think about it ultimately when, when you, when you go out into the market in 2020 or uh, 2021, and you see there's 500,000 deals crossing your desk every second, um, how, how do you think about spending your time today? So I guess the question is you wake up, how do you spend your time today in this market? And also, if you have, if, if you have any thoughts on the current market, um, I'd love to hear because I do think this is kind of unprecedented speed. I'm curious if you have any opinions on if it will, if this is the new normal, like I mentioned before, do you think it's going to subside? Kind of what your thoughts are on what's going on right now? Yeah, I mean, I'll try to answer that final question first. I think for the last few years, every year, uh, we've been saying, uh, wow, this pace is really fast. This market is really hot. At some point, it's going to die down. And it just hasn't. And so I think I sort of um, don't think too much about uh, anymore how the market's going to change because I don't think I'm very good at predicting it. But I try to live in the moment of the market to figure out how to operate in this market. And what's also important here is what the firm's strategy is. And so for us at Footwork, because we're not building you know, a broad portfolio, we're more concentrated, we're trying to get our ownership in every investment, we want uh, the chance with every investment we make to return the fund. And that's our mental model every time we go into a company. And we're likely gonna make somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 to 20 investments out of this first fund in the next, call it two and a half, three years. And so what does that mean? That means it's probably something like six investments that we're going to make as a firm every year. And, and so one of the things that I think about uh, you know, every time I, I spend time with a company is, is this going to be one of those six investments this year? Is it going to be, let's say, you know, Mike and I each end up leading three for the year, right? Um, is it one of the three for me that I am so passionate about that I feel like we have to do this year? And so what we're searching for at the end of the day is a, a company and a set of founders that are outliers on certain dimensions that really spike for us, that get us so excited that we, we feel we have to be part of their journey. Um, and, and so whether that, that spikiness is because of the founder or because of the product market fit or because of... Um, the market opportunity and its chance to expand or because of the product itself and just how breakthrough and revolutionary it seems, there has to be a spike like that 
to get really excited because our bar is just high when we're building a concentrated portfolio in the way that we're building. So I hope that that, that makes sense and, 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 and gives some color to founders as well. It, there's this, um, this book, or it could be a blog post by Derek Sivers, where the, uh, the, the concept that is, if it's not an, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Um, mm-hmm. and I feel like it kind of like applies to, to venture. Like you're either like definitely doing it right. Or it's like, yeah, eh, maybe not. Um, and it's fun because through this, through the, the, the founder part of this podcast, I get to like in my head, like, Oh, like I'm really excited about this. If I, if I had a checkbook, like I totally would have conviction there. And it's like almost practice for me for when I turn like 30 or 35, whenever I want to start a fund or, you know, have the ability to, I, you know, I have the kind of that model. So, so ultimately, I guess a couple more questions and this, this next one is not about you, but about hundreds, if not thousands of, of young, um, college age, maybe high school, maybe post-grad, you know, age people that are trying to break into venture, like because of Twitter, because of just like where we're at in the internet right now, you know, venture capital is very visible to a lot of people. And many people just like you back in 2010 want to break in. Um, I'm curious for you, do you have any advice or tips for the standard, maybe post-grad or senior in college who wants to break into venture in 2021? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the first is, you know, figure out ways in which you can do the job before you even have the job. Uh, and the amazing thing about the ecosystem today is you can do some of the aspects such as finding companies, um, such as sort of making pseudo investment decisions, uh, such as helping companies uh, without even being in the seat, right? Like you, of being in a venture firm. You can kind of do what, what, what I think you've been doing um, some of over, over the, the last several years, which is reaching out to founders um, that you're excited about, uh, having a reason that they want to chat with you, like you know, doing a podcast or a newsletter or something else, um, and then figuring out like, which are the ones that you would invest in and why. Uh, you could even write up sort of investment memos. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really impressed by folks like Tona Novak, who's now got his own fund called Banana Capital. I mean, he basically built like a, um, a simulation venture portfolio without having any dollars to invest, uh, I believe at the time, um, but just published like that portfolio and started doing content and has now broken into the industry that way. Um, and so I think it's sort of like what, what I just said about, you know, at for founders, what we're searching for are outliers on a certain dimension, hopefully several dimensions. Uh, I think because venture capital has become more crowded because there's so many more people who are interested in doing it, I think to get into it, you also have to figure out how you yourself are an outlier on one or more dimensions. And so, you know, whether that thing that, that is spiky for you is content that you create or whether it's, um, it's you know something that you do in your career that can really help founders once you get into the business um, to help them be more successful, or whether it's something around like your own decision making and judgment that you refine over time. Like figure out what that thing is and go just try to do it before you're even in the seat. Uh, I think that's the most practical advice I can give anyone. I, I do have to do a, a slight humble brag. I actually interviewed Turner Novak 
like a year and a half ago on this podcast. I think he might have actually been one of the first investors I ever interviewed. And to nice. see what he's done uh, is it like he he's the meme lord. Like he's just like on Twitter, he just like dominates. Well, you know, actually, I have a question there, which I think is, I guess, a topic now. There's this conversation going on on Twitter, a more and more of a trend where like memes are the people that control the memes like control the, the attention and like this shift with like gen z you know growing up and millennials really growing up i'm curious for you do you like do you have an opinion on like funny vcs or it's not are you doing memes or are you just behind the scenes i because it seems to be like there's kind of this war on twitter like I, I don't really know how to think about it yeah i mean look i think I think content-wise, everyone has to figure out for the, themselves what is most authentic. And for me, uh, I don't think I'm funny enough to be a meme lord uh, of, of VC Twitter. I'm not like Logan Bartlett or Turner Novak or some of these other folks who are just legitimately really funny. Um, it often irks me that I'll put in like 12 hours and do a blog post, publish it, and like it probably gets, you know, a fraction of the reads of, you know, Logan, you know, sitting, you know, at his desk and thinking of something funny and tweeting it out there in the world and having it blow up. But uh, I don't begrudge those people because I think, again, that's, that's a certain skill. And I think the question that, um, that I ask myself is, what's going to lead me to, you know, find the next great founder, what's going to help me with my own decision making. And so what I like to put my effort into is the longer form blog posts, um, which I used to do on a weekly basis. And I've been a little bit um, delinquent on recently, because I've just been so busy with getting the firm off the ground. But I do think those posts um, are valuable for founders, and they reach the types of founders that I hope to reach. Um, I actually, you know, um, even had a founder take my consumer subscriptions post where I lay out 10 factors of consumer subscriptions. And she pitched me in a first meeting with a deck that described the business on each of those 10 dimensions. We've actually signed a term sheet with that company. So hopefully we get to tell the story of, of how fun that was and, and how it all came together. But that was amazing to see. Like a founder actually appreciated the content, ran with it, it helped her with business and helped her think through the subscription model. And so that's that's like the, the, the ideal dream scenario for me. And and so it lends itself to those longer blog posts. And I'll let you know others participate in the, the Twitter meme game. I have a couple more questions, then we'll call it a day. Um, this one's a, a little a little off to the off off topic, but I'm curious. You you write these 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 long essays, these long posts. I'm curious, how'd you get into writing? Um, and, and kind of uh, why do you spend time writing these long posts, and how'd you get into it? Honestly, I will say I, I was inspired by others who have written posts that I've referred back to several times. Um, during my, you know, 10, 10 years in venture capital. I mean, people like Fred Wilson at USV and, and Bill Gurley at Benchmark have written iconic posts um, that have influenced my thinking as an investor and have helped me be better in lots of different ways. Uh, I mean, I think Fred's continuing still to write almost every day during the week, which is just amazing to me. Um, and I think, you know, I... I hope that um, I can keep writing because 
I hope one day, you know, um, folks who were like me 10 years ago, you know, read those posts and it helps them break into venture. It helps them um, be a better founder or, um, you know, it, it helps them improve their business. And I think the, the really cool thing about writing is it's evergreen, right? Like you, you can Google and find these posts of Fred's or Bill's or someone like Paul Graham for years and years to come. Uh, and so I think I, I started on this journey because of that sort of desire to try to put something out there that, that folks find valuable for many years to come. Um, and I've always enjoyed writing, but it is still hard for me pushing out these pieces. It's not like they come really easily. Uh, I think I have become faster by just practicing more and writing more. But every time I hit the publish button, it's still terrifying. <laughs> and uh, maybe one day it won't feel that way, but uh, it certainly does still. You know, I've been writing on the internet since 2010 back on Tumblr. I love writing. The reason I ask is I'm a huge writer and I, um, I definitely wait at least two minutes of like just hovering the publish button before I publish even still, because it's still, it's so scary just to like to hit publish and get, get the, get the audience. Um, so I totally understand that. So my, my last question for you, and then we'll call it a day, is if someone wanted to learn more about footwork, you know, specifically maybe a founder, um, how can they f- kind of find you online? Like, do you have assets like Twitter or podcast or writing? I guess, how can someone learn more about you or footwork on the internet? Yeah, I mean, so, you know, on Twitter, I'm at NBT, which is my initials. Um, and you can DM me and, and you know, I'll try to respond. I haven't been as good about that recently, but um, I tried to respond even to the cold DM outreach. Um, what I absolutely respond to is anyone who responds to a blog post of mine or who comments on a blog post, um, because what's fun is you can have that discussion in public about a certain topic. And so check out, you know, nbt.substack.com, which is um, my, my newsletter called Next Big Thing and uh, engage with any posts that you want to engage in and, and I'll, I'll respond. And then uh, at, at Footwork, we've got a, uh, a site at footwork.bc, which lays out a little bit more about Mike and me and you know, what we invest in. Uh, and you know, it's, it's reasonably simple, but hopefully clear for folks to understand uh, what we do there. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Matt.